Today on Cutting Oranges, I'm chatting with AFL player Ben Brown. We'll be chatting about his involvement in women's footy over the years and how he's seen the AFL space evolve. We'll also dive into his work with Our Watch, which pushes to break down everyday gender inequality. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. Thank you so much for joining me on Cutting Oranges. How are you? Good, Darcy. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. I'm looking forward to our conversation today, um, seeing where we take things. But we're going to start at the start. Um, could you tell me a little, about, a little bit about um, growing up in Tasmania um, and what your parents did and I guess what you got up to too? Yeah, so grew up in Tassie. Um, the northwest coast was where I spent most of my time, so Devonport. Um, which is a great little town, um, absolutely loved growing up there um, with mum and dad and I've got five younger brothers, um, no sisters. So um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great upbringing, absolutely loved it. Um, there was always someone else to play with if one of my brothers was getting bored of me telling him what to do because I did that a little bit growing up because <laughs> I was the <laughs> oldest one, then there was always another one to pick on. So <laughs> um, mum... Uh, spent a lot of time um, just as a stay-at-home mum um, growing up with um, obviously so many of us and she didn't have a whole lot of help around and I don't actually know how she did it. She's a bit of a superwoman, uh, my mum. Um, she's a teacher, so she started out teaching, spent some time away and has now gone back into high school teaching, um, which she's fantastic at. And um, my dad's an industrial chemist, works in the paper industry, so... Um, interesting one but um I always have to go back and ask him exactly what he does because <laughs> you know it's hard to get a grip on that but um yeah I, I um I grew up in a great household really lucky um to grow up with the family that I did yeah sounds like a, a very busy household I actually didn't realize you were you had so many siblings um were you always interested in sport or how did you what, what were you interested in growing up oh yeah really interested in sport from a really young age and I think it almost more came from my mum. My mum's side of the family is really sporty. Mm. Um, my uncle, um, James Manson, played at Collingwood, mm. uh, won a premiership there in the in 1990 um, and my my pop was um, really into sport. Um, down, in, down in Tassie, he played a long career as a, as a ruck for Glenorchy. Um, down in Tassie, but he was also um, a bit of a pioneer in terms of um, you know, getting um, sport for women um, off the ground in Tassie, mm. in, the, in the southern part of Tassie. Um, he, he set up um, you know, a bunch of, um, you know, come and try sport nights for, um, you know, for, for women and for mums. Um, you know, it'd just be you know, pay your two cents at the door and come in and play volleyball or mm. um, you know, netball or whatever the sport was. He was really into um, into that space. I think probably um, you know when when there wasn't any sport available for for women down there. So um, he actually put a lot of time into that, um, but was also um, and my mum will tell you this. He was really hard on the kids growing up. Um, mm. Mum tells stories about how she'd um, 
she'd go to a basketball or a netball game and um, if she didn't perform to the standard that he thought she should, um, she wouldn't hear a word from him on the way home. He'd be silent. So, um, yeah, so I, I suppose that's where the competitive side of my nature comes from. My dad's side, my dad actually um, never played football um, growing up. Uh, I know a lot of AFL players um, had, you know, influences from their father. But um, And my, my dad loved his sport but grew up in a country town called Scottsdale in Tassie where... Um, you know, he was required to be on the farm, helping out on the farm, and schooling was probably more um, what his parents focused on. So my grandparents focused on for him. So I think he 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 told me that um, he really loved basketball, but um, his parents didn't really want him to go out and and play it. They said, you know, it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So when he wanted to um, play basketball at home, he he had to fashion a basketball ring for himself. Get mm-hmm. out the um, get out the weld, weld the welder, and um, he set up a basketball ring for himself on the side of a barn, which is how he managed to play basketball growing up. So, yeah, um, yeah that's the two sides of my family. But both are incredibly supportive for me and all of my brothers in terms of sport mm. um, and giving us opportunities growing up, yeah. driving us to all corners of the state. And how they did that with six of us, I don't know, but. Um, yeah, I'm really lucky to have the parents that I did. Yeah. And was it always footy for you? Like, when did you first sort of pick up a footy? Um, I always played footy. Um, there's old footage of me kicking a little red plastic footy around the around the backyard. We were lucky in Devonport to have a really a, a nice big backyard space. So mm. um, my dad made, um, made goalposts out of bamboo sticks. He'd stick them in the ground for me and I'd be out there, rain, hail or shine, kicking mm. the footy around. But... I dabbled in pretty much any sport I could get my hands on. I played tennis, cricket, basketball as well as footy. Um, and it was never really just footy. I, I always loved footy. Um, but I, I definitely just loved sport and competition of any kind. Yeah. And was it just sport that you loved growing up? Did you, did you sort of gravitate towards other things as well or was it mainly... Just the I, ball sports. I was, I, I, I was definitely into my sports, but um, the other thing my, f- my parents were big on was um, making sure that we um, got a quality education and put lots of time into um, our education. So, um, yeah, I put a lot of time into, I suppose, my studies. And um, I, I always, from a very young age, thought, yep, I'm going to go to university, I'm going to get a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad is... PhD and mum's been at uni and done multiple courses as well so I think that was something from a really young age that um, I just knew I was going to do so I put a lot of time in particularly um, all the way through I suppose um, and I'm a bit of a perfectionist so um, HDs all the way (laughs) (laughs) not quite that but I I, like I enjoyed school um, and and um, learning and getting better in that space. I think I was probably, you know, always comes back to competitiveness a little bit for me. Mm. <laughs> it's always competitive, whether it was schoolwork or... And I was probably my harshest critic too, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I was looking... I didn't actually realise, um, but my housemate Meg is a North supporter, so she knew. Um, but you, you weren't drafted at 18 like a lot of the boys were. Like, it took a bit of time for you to into the AFL system? Yeah, I had I had a really funny um, 
I suppose, story in terms of my AFL journey. Um, so up until um, age of 17, I was playing basketball and football. I played tennis and cricket and a few other things had dropped dropped away, but I was still playing basketball at a, at a reasonable high, reasonably high level in Tassie. Played a couple of um, un, under-18 and under-20 state basketball teams yeah. um, and was really enjoying that. Um, so I think it was in February of my draft year I, I played in the National Basketball Championships and so I spent a bit of time away from pre-season with footy. So that was how I was splitting my time and a lot of people by that stage have chosen their, you know, they're going to go footy or they're going to go basketball but I was splitting my time. Um, and then, But I, I never thought even up until that year that I was a ch- really a chance to get drafted. I was playing footy and basketball because I enjoyed them and I, I really wanted to be as, as good as I could but... I don't know if I really thought I'd had it in me to play at the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would have loved to, but I just didn't know whether I had it in me. So yeah. um, that year, I think we had two trial games before the under-18 championships um, against um, well, NAB League, it is now. I can't remember what it was back then, but um, TAC Cup. and. Yeah. I think there, were, there was another ruck they wanted to try. I, I was playing ruck. I'd always played ruck all my life. Um, and there was another ruck they wanted to try first, give him first go in the rucks. So they said, you know, Ben, we'll start you forward and see how you go. And I kicked two goals in the first 15 minutes of that first trial game and then hurt my wrist and didn't play the rest of the game. Um, just got up for the next one. They said, oh, you know, you went all right as a forward. We'll try you there again. And I kicked four that week and suddenly... Um, you know, as a 17-year-old does, you know, you get on the forums online and you start seeing your name bandied around and it's a bit exciting. And I, So going from... I didn't really think I was a chance to play AFL footy. Um, you know, I kicked a couple more goals in the championships. I was getting a bit excited. I was like, oh, I can see my name popping up a little bit. Maybe maybe I can do this. Um, and then I did my ACL <laughs> in the third game of that championships. And... Um, so it was a real roller coaster. It was, you know, I was just playing footy for the fun of it and then got a little taste and then kind of had it ripped, ripped away from me. So I missed that, missed that draft. Um, and, but I think missing that draft actually and, and having that experience made me all the more keen to get there. It mm-hmm. put the fire in my belly a little bit. Um, I had a bit of osteitis pubis the following year um, so missed that draft, played a year in Tassie, senior footy, mainly playing as a ruck again. Um, so missed the, missed the third draft after that. And I was pretty downhearted, but not, um, you know, it ha- the fire hadn't gone. Um, so I actually pe- packed up and moved home to play at Werribee mm-hmm. Footy Club um, mm-hmm. in the VFL. And that was where Scotty West um, was the coach there. And I was lucky enough that, gave me a, a really good opportunity to play as a key forward in that team. And um, that was probably the first year I really played as majority as a key forward. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, North Melbourne were affiliated with Werribee, so I think I've been under their eye a little bit. And Yeah, I was really lucky to be um, picked up at the end of that year. So it was a bit of a strange um, mm. run-up to the AFL. But I think, um, yeah, that, you know, you talk about sliding doors moments. Um, yeah, probably almost those couple of weeks prior to doing the ACL. Mm. If, I hadn't, if I hadn't kicked those two goals in the first two games, they might have just played me in the ruck and I yeah. would have gone, that was fun, and then went on to uni and whatever else I did. So, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's wild how those moments can just <laughs> change everything. And it sort of sounds like you've always, um, like you said, from a young age, you were never just footy. Like you always had different things going on. And even leading into the um, TSE Cup, you said you still weren't fully into footy, I guess, um, until you had those moments. But what was it like moving to Melbourne and then all of a sudden, like, I'm guessing footy became your number one and that's that's what you were there to do. Um, did you do – also, did you do study in that patch before or – Yeah, so when I got to – when I was drafted by North, I only had a couple of units to do a journalism degree. So mm-hmm. I did journalism and sociology with my majors. Um, so I'd been studying in the background and yeah. enjoying that. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 think, I think it was – I didn't play basketball again um, after that ACL injury or I, you know, didn't play it very much. Um, I think I just, you know, deep inside, I think I'd always wanted to be a professional athlete mm-hmm. growing up. Uh, that was my dream job. And so, yeah, when that when that period of time happened where I thought, oh, maybe this could be me, mm-hmm. it, yeah, that fire was in the belly and I don't think, I don't think anyone could have put it out. So um, that was what drove me each year that I missed to um, see what I could do to make the most of my ability. Um, and I think that's kind of driven me at AFL level too, um, a little bit of that wanting to prove myself and um, make the point that I do actually belong at the at the level. Um, I've had periods of time where I've doubted that, but I think on the whole I've been able to put in a lot of hard work and... Um, yeah, got some got some rewards along the way for that. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Oh, well, you definitely you're there now, which is pretty awesome. Um, I'm going to change gears a little bit. Can you tell me about how you first got involved in women's footy? Because I can remember um, it would have been back in the VFL days. Like I'd heard that Ben Brown was down at um, Melbourne Uni helping the girls out just at training and that sort of thing. Would hang back, do goal kicking with the girls. Um, can you tell me how you sort of got there? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was probably around. I'd, I'd like to say I got into women's footy before it was cool, but um, mm. hearing some of your other guests <laughs> from the <laughs> from the first few weeks, I definitely didn't. Um, I probably was like like many people didn't really know much about the women's footy scene, um, but. When um, you know the exhibition matches started to be talked about, um, you know, got along to watch those, um, and was pretty. I was, I was just pretty blown away that I hadn't really given it enough thought. That geez, I've been so lucky to be afforded all these pathways that I've just talked about for the last fifteen minutes, um, and they just weren't available for women. I couldn't help get over the fact that thinking about. Geez, I love sport so much, and I love footy so much. Um, imagine if, uh, imagine if I was a female, I just, I just wouldn't have been able to do it. And I know, growing up, there was a, um, there was a girl that we used to play against um, in primary school footy, um, and she was bigger than all of us. She was a ruck. Um, Jamie was her name, I think, and um, yeah, she was better than all of us too. But I remember it being sort of, you know, in the paper somewhere that. You know, Jamie wanted to play year seven footy and was told she couldn't. Mm. Um, and that's kind of stuck with me the whole way 
the whole way through and um, I just can't help but I couldn't help but think um, you know I, I'm lucky enough to have these opportunities as an AFL player mm. um, I really want to get involved with this and do what I can to um, you know whether it's a, in a small way um, but to help these um, these girls these women who haven't had the opportunities that I've been afforded so um, yeah getting along to the exhibition games I was like great I want to get involved um, mm. and yeah I got down to Melbourne Uni trainings once a week and they were at Arden Street which was um, which was handy so I could just hang around after training or um, pop back from home and and get involved just once and, and again it was just once a week it wasn't anything um, wasn't anything too much but mm. I just I just wanted to be a face there and to try and give what I could um, so yeah that was where that started yeah well you say it's not it's not much but it, like I played for a rival club and I was hearing about it and um, it obviously um, I think it just set the tone for what um, sort of Club North was in terms of their support for women's footy even though it was before AFLW um, and when they did get a team were, were you an official coach is that right or were you sort of a development coach? Uh, I'd say my role was probably floating a little bit I just yeah. I went to Scotty Gowans um, who had been at Melbourne Uni and I've been helping out with him already and when he got the job as um, North's coach I just said mate um I want to come down one night a week. Mm. Um, can you just slot me in wherever you, wherever you think I'd be most useful? Um, so you know, sometimes that was working with the rucks, taking them aside and doing some work with Emma King, or um, you know, Vivsard towards the back end. Um, yeah, and just helping where I could, um, or whether it was just you know, even just kicking balls back while. Um, while the players are having shots at goal. Mm. You know, that's something that I took for granted. Um, you know, at North that we'd have multiple coaches, you know, so many coaches that they'd be standing around with not much to do and they'd go, you know, while we're having shots mm. at goal, you'd always have the next one in your hands pretty much after you'd kick the ball through. So, yeah. um, you know, and I, I when I went down to Melbourne Uni training to start with and then AFLW training, there's, you know... Um, players are having shots for goal at the end of training and then they're running down and picking it up and then running it back out again. It's a small thing, but, you know, it just makes the place a little bit more professional and I think it makes you feel like there's someone there for you and looking out for you. So, um, yeah, that was what I wanted to do. I just wanted to be as much help as I could be. Mm. And, and, I, and I loved it. The, the players are just... Uh, the thing I loved about getting down to Melbourne Uni and... Um, and also then at um, AFLW level at North was um, just how how ready and willing players were to learn um, and to improve and so grateful for, you know, the smallest things, which I think at times um, as men's players we, we just take for granted that things are there for us um, and resources are available to us. So it was really refreshing to me to go and be a part of that um, that environment, that really positive that really positive environment. It's yeah. great. I, I actually got probably more out of it than the players did. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I was going to ask how you feel 
AFLW starting and coming in? Like, have you felt a shift in club culture and, and that sort of thing, like, as a as a male player? Like, can you talk me through that? Um, yeah, I think at North, North is North is great in the, in the women's space. I think they've done a really good job in setting up the club. Um, and I think that Melbourne Uni affiliation and having people still around with the AFLW program that were involved in the VFL program before that um, was really handy and um, making that shift. But it was definitely something that, you know, there was a focus group brought together and um, we talked to our recruits, um, you know, those first recruits like, um, you know, like Kingy and, um, you know, Emma Carney and these players when we got them in and said, look, what are the things that worked and what are the things that didn't, um, you know, in the first couple of years of AFLW? And I think that was handy from North's perspective to be able to have those insights. We weren't coming in fresh at the start. I think there were some teething issues at first um, with AFLW that you probably know more about than me, but um, wanted to make sure that we provided as good an experience for the, the players as we could, um, as professional an environment and to also prepare the men's players for, um, you know, what was to come, sharing facilities and things. I mean, it's a small thing, but you just, if you don't address it, that's where issues mm. can arise. So, um, yeah, we we put a real emphasis on that, um, you know, before the, before the AFLW program kicked off. And, yeah, that, I mean, that culture, I think, has, has shifted. Um, it's just become part of... The normality of things now um yeah mm. yeah because I've always felt like definitely at a club level like everyone is so supportive of women's footy and it's often um the things the barriers are just things that have been done a certain way forever so it's like you don't even realize that it's an issue until it's an issue um but I've always found like the boys are really supportive and you know when you bump into them like they'll always have a chat and they they want to know how things are going um so I I guess I want to know because often like the privately the support's there but it's often not um a lot of players don't go out of their way like you do to come down to training and and kick the balls and that sort of thing like what do you think I guess the barriers are for the male players I guess getting involved in a women's program um I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, th- I think it is. It is very much, you know. I, I'd hate to mandate for mm. um, players to come and help because I think you just you've got to be passionate about it. Yeah. To want to do it, um, but I do think like you know everyone's passionate about footy um, at a footy club. Mm. So, you know, it follows for me that you'd want to you'd want to help out. Um, yeah, it's like the, a shared shared yeah, purpose sort ex- of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, I think it it does depend what's in what's in your I suppose your everyday consciousness, and that's you know big terms, big words. But I just think if if you haven't thought about it and you haven't made that leap to that initial leap to get involved, it can seem like a big a big step to take. Um, mm-hmm. It can seem like um, a lot to do. It's really not. Um, you know, and I, and I think I, I would really encourage as as many players as as we can to get involved um, in the AFLW program. I've actually I've been missing it over the last um, you know obviously changing clubs and having mm-hmm. the COVID um, thing going on. I, I haven't been able to be involved for a little while now, but 
there there are definitely there's there's things you can do showing your face uh, um you know we just had um i was chatting to big tom campbell the other day um big north ruckman and he just said you know i said oh can you you know can we catch up um can we catch up thursday night for dinner mate been a while since i've seen you and he said oh sorry i'm heading down to help the rucks at um the a4w side mm. that and that's just tommy doesn't go every week but he shows his face um you know semi-regularly mm. just gives it a little bit a little, little bit of feedback and a little bit of advice and um i, I know that the, that the girls get heaps out of that mm. um so it doesn't have to be you don't have to move mountains to get things done it's just like you say like you're saying it's um it's just the I suppose the, the thought that counts and following through. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I often think, like, I don't, I don't think the boys realise how much um, value they can add to a program. Like, you guys have been playing for so long and you've got so much knowledge in your heads about footy. Um, I often think that maybe just that, um, yeah, I guess not uh, almost undervaluing what you can add to um, the women's experience, I think, some of the time. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, and I just, I just get so excited about the progress of it. Um, mm. You know, from year one through to now, I've, I've really like. I just, I think that's that's what life is about, isn't it? Just trying to give everyone the opportunity to be the best they can be. Um, that's what's that's what life is about. And I actually, I was. I was listening to um, you talking to Jakari again the other day in the car and I really took in uh, and I actually wrote it down because something you said, I've, I've actually got a quote from you and I think it really sums it up well. You said, we don't know how good it could get until we make the change. And I think you were talking about that in terms of, um, you know, a different, a different topic, but it's, it's so true. Um, we don't actually know until we make the make the leap um how good it could actually get and i think we've we're seeing it you just you have to look at you have to look at history and then extrapolate that out into the future and just go how good is this going to be um and yeah i just i always come back to i just you know my experience is is a, is an experience of privilege um you know you talk about intersectionality as a concept and um, you know, for me, I'm I'm a straight white male living in Australia from a middle class family. You know, I I had a lot of opportunities that other people didn't. And if I can, um, if I can do my small bit to try and, uh, you know, not not even the ledger, I suppose, but like, just I I just want to, um, you know, I think that's my that's what I have to do. That's that's what my position demands of me. Um, you know, in, in a in a position of privilege, you have to look at look around at the rest of the world and go, where's where are there inequalities? Where are there um, where are there areas of life that we that we as a society could be doing better? Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I, I keep coming back to if if I if I um, was a female growing up, I just I just wouldn't have been able to play footy and how. That, that could so easily have been the case yeah. for, for any of us. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's as simple as it is for me. Obviously, like, 
I feel like from what I've seen and heard from you, like you're very aware of your privilege and you want to use your platform to help others. Um, and you're not afraid of speaking out. And I think there are players like Eddie Betts who are so often speaking out about things and trying to uplift others and encourage others to do good. Um, I was really uplifted a few years ago. I think maybe a year and a half ago, Zach Merritt from Essendon, I, I felt like it was out of nowhere, um, wrote an article about a girl that he'd played footy with, um, I guess a bit like the girl you used to play footy with too. Um, and he wrote about, I guess, how their lives had – they'd there was that fork in the road where he got to – progress through all these pathways and become an AFL footballer and he was just thinking about that girl who he used to play with and that she wasn't afforded those opportunities um, and I just felt like that was a, a moment where a, another player had just that like light bulb I guess had gone off and they were thinking about how different their life could have been if they yeah had it been a girl so I with players like Zach speaking out, does that give you hope that other players will be, become more aware and, I guess, use their platform to, to help progress the women's game? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we, we need to. I think it's just it's important that we try to, uh, again, I'll talk about privilege again. It's important that we're aware of our privilege and, and try to... Um, you know, take in as much as we can from um, from people who have different experiences to the ones that we do. Um, you know, if everyone has everyone has a different life experience, and you know, you you only have to you have to talk to someone and get to know them in order to work out that that individual's life experience. But um, but there are there are groups, um, there are groups of people who we can say, you know, without a doubt have had, um, you know, a tougher time of it or, you know, had barriers placed in their way um, along the way. You talk about women, people of colour, um, you know, um, and that's intersectionality that we talk about. So I, I think you just have to. The first part, the first part of that is just trying to trying to learn, um, which is something I had to do a lot of. Um, you know, it's probably meeting meeting my wife Hester was probably when I really first became aware um, of the the differences in of the differences in um, what. Um, men and women are afforded um, mm -hmm. their lives um, and their experiences of growing up. Now, as I said, I had five younger brothers. There wasn't a whole lot of, um, you know, female energy around um, yeah. our house growing up. So I, I really had to, I had to learn that, and I had some, I had some hard lessons to learn. But I think, you know, I, I like to think that I'm pretty open. Um, to that, and I think you just you do need to be open to learning and um, and to improving yourself. Mm. I think there's there's a lot of people that um, are resistant to that um, and to you know want to hang on to and want to hang on to what they've got. But um, yeah, I I think it it just makes our it makes our world a better place. 
the more we can look at ourselves and go, okay, yes, I've been afforded these opportunities. Why wasn't this person afforded those opportunities too? The more we can do that, the better world we'll live in. That's that's philosophically what I believe in. Yeah. And and that sort of slides in, I guess, with your work with Our Watch. Um, you're an ambassador along with Hester. Um, and I, I feel like, do you think you perhaps even your dad, the work your dad did um, in creating those opportunities for women playing sport, like do you look back at those sort of things and think that that's informed, I guess, the work you're doing now with Our Watch or do you feel like all these little things kind of push you in that direction and, and now you're able to do stuff on their platform? Yeah, my papa was. Um, he, yeah, I suppose I learnt about that, about what my pop did further down. Oh, there. your pop, yeah, yeah. sorry, <laughs> no, sorry, that's no, right. your dad, sorry. But my dad's great too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, my... I probably learnt about that a little bit further down the track and I went, whoa, okay, mm. that, that's pretty That's pretty cool. Um, but, um, yeah, I I think probably the Our Watch stuff, um, you know, it's, it's great that I get to do it with Hess. Yeah. Um, you know, we can do that as a partnership because I think we work really well as a partnership in that space. And as I said, I, I learned so much just from meeting Hess and listening to her and listening to her stories um, about, um, you know, some of the things that, some of the experiences that she had when she was growing up, which uh, were, I, I think it's safe to say they weren't necessarily out of the ordinary for a young girl growing up in Australia. But, geez, if that's the normal, <laughs> then there's some serious work for us to do. And I think that work is starting to get done but we've got so much more work to do. And the, the work that our watch does is is focused on primary prevention. And primary prevention is looking at the attitudes and behaviours in our everyday lives that can eventually um, lead to domestic violence. And our watch has done a power of work, um, you know, in, in studying the effects that, um, you know, sexist jokes, sexist attitudes... Um, uh, behaviours uh, of men when they're around their peers, around their male peers, what those attitudes and behaviours can do. And the reality is that that's where, that's where domestic violence starts. Mm-hmm. Those attitudes that fathers and, and mothers pass on to their sons um, and then, um, you know, mates talking with mates um, you know, they 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 keep those attitudes going and, and leave them unchallenged, um, those sexist attitudes. So, um, yeah, that's the learning that I've undertaken in that area has been pretty eye-opening for me and, and I'm still learning. I think it's just, it's it's a really a learning experience and, and one of the main things that I think as a man we need to do in this space is Yes, we need to think about how we can actually impact in those areas when we're with our peers, um, but it's mainly around listening and opening our eyes up to um, different views of the world and recognising that, yes, everyone has their trials and tribulations in life, but certain people um, have barriers that 
barriers exist for certain people that uh, through no fault of their own it's just the it's the way things were from when they were born from day one um that weren't in place for me and aren't in place for a whole heap of other um other men um in our society so yeah that I think it's just the injustice is the word that pops into my head um, of that situation that makes me want to make a change um, and makes me want to grow and learn in that space. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely still a learning process for me, but um, yeah, that's that's what it's about. Yeah, and do you feel like through experiencing, um, I guess being able to challenge though that language and that behaviour, do you feel like you've gotten better at it? I definitely feel like I've gotten better at it. It's mm-hmm. something that you do need to practice. Um, it's something that uh, it can be hard sometimes to know exactly what to do in a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one thing that I've learnt is the more you, the more you stand up and are, you know out, outspoken about it the more you actually find that, you know, for example, my male peers at the at the at footy clubs that I've been a part of, um, the more they come out and say, hey, I was thinking that as well. I was mm. thinking that was a little bit off. Mm. And I didn't exactly know what to do. And I'm hoping maybe you can actually help me to do that. Um, you know, I had multiple teammates, staff members come up to me and say, okay, I, I feel like I... I um, have a really basic understanding of gender equality and I, and I want to have an impact in that space, but mm. I don't know how. Mm. Can you help me do that? And um, that's where you actually have your impact. It's not necessarily, you know, hearing a sexist joke and slamming your fist on the table and saying, you know, this needs to end now. It's um, it's it's more about those, those little steps you can take and... Um, you know, finding more allies along the way. Mm. Um, that's that's something that I've found, and it's and it's really heartening. Was pe- people? I, I I really genuinely think that people are um, people are genuinely doing their best. Mm. Um, so, you know, there are there are people out there who do want to make a difference, and maybe just aren't quite sure how. So, yeah, that's that's something something I've definitely learnt over the years. Yeah, just helping people find the tools and have the language to, I guess, shape conversations, I think, is really important. And I was going to launch in um, because Hester and Marty Dangerfield have actually started their own podcast um, called Significant Others. And they really explore, I guess, um, the partners of, of football players because they're often referred to as WAGs, which really just... Um, I guess it is derogatory in that sense um, and sort of, yeah, I just gets, gives them a label um, that they are just that thing and they have these, a, a whole life um, behind them. Um, can we talk about how important language is, not only in that space but also in talking about AFLW? Like I feel like at the moment with uh, AFL men's returning, there's a lot of, you know, footies back language. Um how do you how do you see, I guess, language shaping the way we see women's football, and and talk about men's football as well? Yeah, it's it's super important. I think language and the media has, uh, I'm 
actually like you know I studied journalism at uni and mm. I'm actually really passionate about the um, the way the media can have a real impact on the way people view the world so I think media actually has a has an incredibly important role to play um, you know even from a, a moral and an ethical standpoint so yeah that there are there is language that gets thrown around in the media that's concerning um, and it just you know you're talking about the significant others it's just you know it's a great project that Hess and Marty have put together um, just it looks to essentially break down that term um, you know not just that term but you know they, they do cover wag as a term a how it's not inclusive mm. as we talk about wives and girlfriends well we know that the spectrum isn't limited to wives and girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other partners are involved as well. Um, but further to that, um, you know, um, that what these what these people are actually doing isn't limited to that title. And I think people just see these partners of players um, as as just that label just you're just partners that's mm. that's what you do you know you you love the lifestyle you're glamorous or it's like the 90 like it's it's just a you know it's a it's an issue that we put people in that box mm. um so yeah it's about breaking that down um which i think they're doing a great job of just by interviewing um partners of players and learning about their lives learning about who they are um and you find that the story some stories that they're um, that they have to tell. Um, now they inform you, yes, about the the player that um, they're a partner of, but they inform you about um, the wide variety of different people that there are in the world. Um, and then I suppose in turn, the other part of your question was talking about AFLW. I just think it's so important that um, you know we. <laughs> We look to, um, we essentially look to be kind to each other. I, I was listening to you talking to Meg McDonald the other day. I love when she said she valued kindness. I think it's just it's so underrated. Um, kindness and and trying to be um, empathetic to other people and their experiences of the world. Um, and I think when we, you know, it might not, but saying footy's back when men's footy's back. Um, you know, it might not seem like much, but how many people does that? How many people does that put to the back? Push to the back? Push down? Um, we need to be cognizant of that, um, and to try to lift other people up. And so, yeah, the language that you use is super important. Um, and essentially, the the more we allow people to be whoever they are as opposed to putting them in boxes. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, coming back to the work that our watch does, um, you know, people that um, conform to rigid gender stereotypes, um, you know, that's that can be really problematic for, for men in particular, <laughs> um, you know, because it's, they're more likely 
you're more likely to um, have instances of domestic violence in those cases. But we also know that um, you know men who um, hold those ideals about rigid gender stereotypes are more likely to um, are more likely to commit suicide. Um, so is it important? Yeah, it's affecting people's lives directly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and really severely. So the more we can give people the, the space and the air to breathe and say, yes, this is who I am, and I know that my mates are going to be comfortable with it and society's going to be comfortable with it. I'm not going to see something in the media that's going to push me back down. I'm going to see things in the media that... Um, you know, allow me to be the person that I am. Um, you know, I think everyone should have the right to be who they are as long as you're not inhibiting the rights of another to do the same. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of what question I'd want to end things on. Um, I feel, well, I feel like what you're saying um, and we talk about breaking gender stereotypes, I really feel like the injection of AFLW into the AFL world is helping the men's side of the game and and helping men be able to express themselves more. Um, Yeah, be able to to be the people they want to be. Like, I feel like there would be a lot of expectations as an AFL men's player to present a certain way to hold certain ideals. Do you feel like even in the past five years that has shifted? Yes, I definitely do. And I definitely agree with you. I think, um, you know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the reason why people love going to footy is they they see a story, they see a narrative mm. every time they go to the footy. So, you know, you go to the footy, you've got this, you know, someone takes the game on and, um, you know, changes the game in the second quarter and then, oh, my team's coming back in the third and then, you know, oh, we just get over the line in the last. And, um, you know, you see these... In, historically, you've seen these men running around and, you know, bumping into each other and tackling each other and feats of strength and bravery and all of these things. People love those stories and those stories really inform, um, you know, the way people... They take that away and, and, you know, I definitely did growing up and it informs the way you live your life. But historically we've had, you know, those stories defined by males, particularly in the sporting space. So, yeah, now young girls growing up can see Kirsty Lamb putting her head over the ball and winning it and bustling through and getting the thing forward. They can see Taylor Harris jumping over a pack and taking a juke. They can see you, you know, pick up the ball, little goose step, step around, snap a goal. These are things that growing up I didn't I didn't know. I don't know if I believed that girls could do that. Um, now I think everyone can see they can and... It's only going to go from strength to strength in AFLW too. Because you think about my daughters who are four weeks old and two years old now, think about the if they want to play AFL, think about the pathways they're going to have, the coaches who are going to be invested in what they want to do. 
that just weren't available to you when you were growing up. Um, you know, that's that's so exciting. Think about the league in 15 years. Um, even now, I mean, you've got Matty Prasparkas coming in and winning the league best and fairest. You don't often have 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds in the men's coming in and winning the Brownlow. <laughs> that tells you something about, mm. you know, where things are going to go in the future. How exciting is that? Um, it's incredibly exciting. And I want to be there for that ride. Um, and again, it's about, it's a, for me, it's about just, it's about listening and being there and trying to be an ally and a support where I can. I don't think I've ever wanted, and I've been really cognizant of the fact that I haven't wanted to come into the the women's football environment saying this is how you play the game because the game's quite different mm. um, and I don't have the I don't have all of the knowledge of and, and history of AFLW to go off um, and women's footy to go off so I've got to listen and, and learn as much as I um, can give so yeah I don't know I feel like I've gone off topic with what the last question was but no I think that was on topic yeah but yeah i I love it. I just I I can't wait to see where it goes. I love I love flicking the footy on on the on the weekend and um you know seeing who's going to tear it up this week. Hopefully it's you the last couple of rounds of the season. I hope so too. Ben, thanks so much for joining me. It's been a great conversation and yeah, you've opened my eyes up to some things too. So thank you for your work um always and yeah, I look forward to watching you play this year too. Thanks Darcy.